Thank you for joining us this month for Bill Purvis Leadership. In this lesson, we discuss the price of leadership as evidenced in the life of Joanna, a twice-mentioned biblical character whose influence and choices helped to change the lives of many she came in contact with, and may help to change yours as well. I want to welcome you today, staff and guests today, along with our BPL subscribers. And I want to tell you, it's great to be with you again this month. The, uh, today's going to be one of the most exciting lessons. This one is one that has been burning in my heart. It's going to call for radical change. It's about a character, and I'll tell you about that in a moment. It's about a character that uh, a person made a statement and just quoted the, the one name, and I thought, wow, I have never in all of my years heard anybody teach about that, talk about that, or what. Um, let me give you a, a, a joke I heard this week. A man was teaching at a motivational seminar, and, uh, and he called three men up on the stage. He said, guys, come up here. What do you want to be remembered for? What do you want them to say at your funeral when you die? And the first man said, well, I want him to say, look, uh, he was an honest man. He loved his family, and he worked hard. That's what I want him to say. And that's all I'd live for. That, that'd be great. He said, good. Second man said, I, I'd want him to say he did a lot of good for other people. He helped people and was compassionate and, and uh, charitable. That's what he did. The third man, they turned to him and said, what do you want him to say? He said, I'd want him to all say, wow, look, he's moving. He's alive. <laughs> and, and so I guess, guess this guy wasn't ready to check out yet. <laughs> and so uh, that's what we'd want. All right, as you know, we, uh, uh, Bill Purvis Leadership is really leadership teaching from the Bible, and we do it Bible-based. I'll try to take examples from the Bible and, and try to utilize those examples. And, uh, and today I want to talk to you about the price of leadership, uh, the, what it costs to be a leader and the price of it. And uh, it's from an example of a woman in Scripture that I've, I've never heard anybody really talk about before. She's mentioned twice. Her name is Joanna, wife of Cusa. Cusa spells C-H-U-Z-A. Joanna, wife of Cusa. Now, in Luke chapter 8, verse 1 to 3, there's a, there's a little mention of her. Here's what it says. Soon afterwards, he, talking about Jesus, began going around from one city and village to the other, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of the gospel. Um, the twelve that were with him were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Many, um, Mary, who was called uh, Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, was one. And then it says, And Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna and many others were contributing their support out of private means. So that's the first mention of her right there. Uh, that she's following. She's right there tucked in between. We always talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene. And, uh, and we talk about all those other folks around there. And yet there's just placed in there, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward, and uh, said that she was contributing out of her means. Apparently she was a wealthy lady, and, uh, and she was helping. In, in Luke 24, verse 8 to 10, it said, And they remembered his words this after the resurrection. And they returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and all the rest. Now there were with them Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James, also the other women that were telling these things to the apostle. So here's the mention of the name of somebody that's not mentioned often. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. I've never really heard of her until, until then. As much as I've read the Bible. read the Bible through almost every single year for almost 30 years now. And I guess when I read it, I've just skipped on. Because suddenly when it hit me, I was aware this is somebody that it does take enough time to give a little detail to. Now, here's what we, uh, we have figured out about her. I believe she's a tremendous leader. 
She was married to a leader. She was married to uh, Herod's steward, that is his right-hand man. Uh, her husband worked for a leader, Herod. Uh, Joanna is not described as a leader, but, but she is by what I'll show you this morning. Um, she exhibited outstanding servant leadership to Jesus, following him all the way to the end of her life and the end of his. And so this is her, Joanna, the wife of Cusa. Now let me tell you some things about it, okay? Uh, Cusa was the steward of Herod Antipas. Uh, this Herod, there are many Herods, this Herod was the king of the Jews from 4 B.C. to 39 B.C. And Joanna was the disciple of Jesus. So you've got to understand these two kingdoms are really in opposition. The kingdom she's following of Christ and Herod's kingdom, where her employment comes from, where her husband's employment comes from. She's a close follower of Jesus. She's supporting Jesus with her financial means. She knew him as the Lord of her life. She's got a rich history and a bold example. So let me give you a couple of things about leadership and Here's what I know about leadership. Number one, leadership is risky. Uh, leadership is always risky. That's the, that's the deal that, that, that if, you, if you don't want to be a leader, um, then, uh, then you're okay. If you, if you, if you want to be a leader, you've got to prepare to take some risk in life. Joanna's married to this guy named Cusa, and he's on Herod's payroll. He's the top man over there. Joanna knew how Herod felt about Jesus. You remember Herod's father tried to get Jesus killed when he was a little baby? Two years of age, he went in, and who would have done such? But his heart was so hard that his father, Herod the Great, killed all the babies two years of age and under in a holocaust trying to find Jesus. So there's already this history of his dysfunctional family trying to kill Jesus. And she's working right under the top man, and that's her, that's her social setting and all the rest. And yet she's, she's following Christ. Um, uh, Herod the Great, by the way, you know how crazy that guy was. I mean, you know the history of it. I know Gene knows because he's taught history before. Um, Herod the Great was a madman. He killed his wife because she, she just annoyed him. Uh, he had a lot of sons. He killed his first two sons because he was paranoid. He thought they wanted his kingdom, so he killed them. And, uh, and, and on the day that he died, by the way, he said, I want all the good men of the city rounded up, and I want them all killed at the day of my death. He said, I want this city weeping when I die, and they're not going to weep when I die. So that was his way. That was how crazy this guy was. And, and, and one of his sons tried to poison him and got caught and got killed. And so about one of the only sons remaining and that lasted was uh, Antipas. The reason he got the kingdom is because he was about the only one that didn't get killed before the old man died. Uh, but he himself was no better. And so here he is. He, he's the guy, by the way. He's responsible, got blood on his hands. He's the one that had John the Baptist beheaded. You remember he divorced his wife and then at, uh, and John the Baptist said something about him living with his brother's wife. So this Herod turns around and says, bring John out of prison. And they cut his head off, put it on a platter in front of everybody else. This is the man. So his right-hand man's wife is following Jesus who he hates. Here's a woman I admire. When I read that about her, I thought, wow, here's a lady that was taking some huge risks to do what she did. Herod would have had her beheaded just as easily. And so the point here is this. Leadership is doing what is right regardless of the risk. Uh, leadership is doing what's right even if your life's involved. Leadership is doing what's right no matter what. That's what it is. And if you're going to be a leader, you're going to have to take some, some risk in life. You, you can't play it safe. You're going to lose some things or risk losing some things. A lot of people want to be a, a leader. They like the title of being a leader. Uh, they want the perks of being a leader. But they don't want to pay the price to be a leader. And... and I remember when I was on staff, and I'm speaking to a lot of our, our a lot of a lot of people that, that listened to our um, 
our leadership information right now. They're, they're, um, they're on staff, and they're not, uh, maybe, maybe they're not the top person. When I was on staff, I was a youth pastor for about eight years in three different churches. I was the most loved guy in the church. Everybody loved me. I took care of the kids. Boy, they loved me. I was the, I could, I could do no wrong. I could get away with anything. I mean, literally, it was, I could bring the bus back trashed. You know, they didn't care. I, we could tear up rooms. They didn't care. As long as their kids were happy, that was great. And, and everything was wonderful. And then when I became the pastor, all of a sudden, I realized that's the guy they shoot at, you know. I didn't know that before. I mean, see, those of you that are, that are on staff in places, you think, well, you know, I don't know why they all attack my pastor. I must be doing it right. They're not hitting me. No, they're not hitting you because they all love staff. I mean, they get plenty of love. Uh, the, the, the one they hate and the one they hit is always the top guy. And so a lot of people say, well, if I could just be a leader, the question is, can you take the pressure that comes? Jesus told his disciples that one day. He said, Lord, we want to be where you are. And he said, guys, can you handle the heat? You know, and, and, that's, and, and it's because it gets there. Well, to be a leader means that. You're going to have to risk some of that. Uh, to be a true leader means that popularity will never be your priority. That's what it means. It means, it means I'm not interested in being popular. I don't care about popularity. The crowd is fickle. They'll, they'll change on you. You can be hero today and zero tomorrow. Uh, follow some football coaches and you'll see that. You know, We win a game. We love him. Oh, he's the greatest thing in the world. We lose a game. You're out of here. And so that's kind of what they do. Uh, to be a true leader, you can't care about, you know, popularity can't be your priority. Consensus can't be your priority. You can't sit down in the room and say, everybody's got to be on the same page before we move. You never lead something if everybody's got to be in agreement, okay? Uh, you, you'll have to lead something with saying, this is the best we're going to get. Now let's make the decision. Sometimes people are afraid of making a decision because if they make it, they're afraid they'll be out there alone. i got news for you. If you're a leader, you're going to be out there alone a lot of times. Now, uh, here's the other thing. When you're a leader, though, you, you learn this. To give up, you have uh, to, to to go up. You got to give up. You know, if I'm going to go up, some I got to give up some. Um, that's just part of what you do. I'm going to give a car this week. My wife and I are going to give a car this week to this uh, whatever it takes. Uh, she even said, she said, Bill, I hate to feel this, but I've loved that car. We bought it brand new, drove it off the showroom, love it, kept uh, took care of it. But on the other hand, I realized this that everything in our life we've ever given up, we've always gotten back more and better every time. And so uh, there's that part of that. But there's another part of it, just gratitude. Uh, I bought cars and give them to church, and I drive them. And, and so I've had all kind of blessings in my life of being able to give things. I've given away money before we was going to take on vacation and paid for some kid's scholarship and literally have, have enjoyed every bit of it. And everything I've ever given away, I've gotten back. And, and so if you're going to be a leader, the secret's going to be you've got to be willing not to hold it real tight, but to be willing to give it up. And, and if you don't do that, what will take place is it, it doesn't mean that you won't be blessed. It means you won't go far. If you, can, if you hold on to the title and the position, that's not much of a leader. Uh, the, the, the position doesn't make the leader. The leader makes the position. And so that's the secret to it. Now, to keep going up, you got to keep giving up. I wish I could tell you that, that one sacrifice would do it, you know. I wish I could tell you, man, if you'll pay this one price the rest of your life, you can relax. You can't. Uh, it, you, you, you may get to one more level by, by sacrificing, but you, if you're going to keep going, you got to keep sacrificing. And, and you'll say, well, boy, it gets hard. Yeah, it does. That's why it really is lonelier at the top. That's why the further you go, sometimes you look around and say, wow, there used to be a whole lot of people with me, and they're not with me like they used to be. But the benefit is the ones that are with you are people that want to grow and take the journey. Here's what I know about that. Success rarely shows up after one sacrifice. Um, that's why some people, they, get, they want to quit too early. 
You know, the Bible says this, be not weary in well-doing, for in due time we'll reap. And, and they, want to, they make one sacrifice, and now, you know, where is it? And, and they're looking for the reward. Success doesn't show up after one sacrifice. It comes from a lifetime of sacrifice, and sacrifice is a way of life. It comes from continually doing the same thing. I mean, you know, it's almost like, you know, working out. You know, I, I'd go to the gym. What if I went to the gym, worked out one time, said, okay, I'm good. You know, <laughs> that's it. Once a year is good enough. It'd never show up. You know what I hate about it? I hate it that it's so daily. I hate that. And, and, it, and, and, and it seems like that, that, uh, that, you know, it ought to give a break, but it doesn't. It, it, working out and, uh, and, and financial stuff and spiritual stuff and leadership stuff, all of it is the more I'm willing to invest, the more I'm able to get back. The less I invest, the less I get back. And so leadership is risky. Let me give you the second thing. Leadership is costly. You know, you can be given a, re- a role of leadership. You can be given it without paying a price uh, for a little while. Uh, some, you know, a lot of people go out and they start it and they get the job. But if you're going to keep it, it's going to cost you. Uh, and, and, that's, and that's part of it. And, and if you're going to be promoted, it, it's gonna, it, leadership is costly. So to remain as a leader, it's going to cost some things. If I look at Joanna, here's what I see. It costs her socially. I mean, think about this. She's running with the elite She's in the palace of Herod. She gets to be at all of the, all of the, you know, the, the, the top people, all of the white-collar people's parties. She gets to hang and wine and dine with all of that group. That's what her role is supposed to be. And yet she's chosen because she believes in Christ. She's chosen to hang out with people like Mary Magdalene, a former prostitute, had seven demons in her. She's chosen to hang out with the mother of Jesus, Mary, who's dirt poor, who had a baby at a very early age, who's been accused of being pregnant before she got married. Um, She's hanging out with Matthew, a tax collector who everybody hated. She's hanging out with some guys who were fishermen that uh, left their father's business. And so here's a lady who could be running in the social class and never be involved with anybody else. And she's willing to pay that price socially. Now, here's a thought. If you're going to be a leader, you're going to have to suffer sometimes with the social stuff. Uh, I, uh, I, I think we have it here in, in Columbus. Here's a, here's a prayer I prayed years ago, and it's helped me better than ever. I had a guy come to me one time and offered to bring me about 20 members of his church. They were leaving a church in town, and, and the guaranteed uh, annual income those 20 members got because they were... They were they were good, uh, higher blue-collar people. He said, I can guarantee you $300,000 a year increase uh, in your church budget. That's what they'll bring. And these are good people. And we're mad at this church down the street. And it really is literally down the street. And we're going to come to Cascade Hills. We're going to bring you $300,000 a year. And all we want is you give us a classroom where we can teach. And our people are going to be involved in all this stuff. And I said, no, no, we don't bargain like that, okay? And I said, here's how we do. If God leads you to come here at some point down the road after you've made amends and everything's right with your pastor and your church, then that's a different story. We may open our arms to you. But you're not going to hurt them and then come running over here and say, see, we showed you. And I said, I'm not going to hurt that pastor. I'm not going to hurt that church. He said, you're turning down 300000 you realize how I'm business man turning down 300000 Now, I really was turning down a bunch of headaches. That's all I was turning down. Hadn't missed it for a second. And what I'm telling you is this. If you'll accept the people nobody else wants, and you don't play the social game. Do like Joanna. God will give you everything you need and more as you need it. 
And so that's the beauty of it. So leadership costs you socially some. Now, um, that's why the point there would be simply this. If you want to be a true leader, you've got to give up the desire to be accepted in social circles. Okay? You've got to give up that desire. Let me give you the third one. Leadership is influence. Now, John Maxwell says it best there about leadership being influence. It's true. Do you know like Mother Teresa and Princess Diana, Joanna had a tremendous influence apparently in her world, and she used it rightly. And I'll show you about that in a second. Colin Powell said this, you've achieved excellence as a leader when people follow you, even if it's only out of curiosity. Um, the, the, the truth is, is, is most people have some influence. Now, I want to challenge you right here to do something. Don't try to go out and get a crowd. Don't do that. You, you want to know how to lead? Start at home. Lead the family. Lead the kids. If, if you can't lead them, if you mess up there, everything out there is nothing but smoke and mirrors. And so you got to lead here first. If I want to know if somebody's a great leader, I want to look at their home. I want to look at their marriage. I want to look at those kind of things. That'll tell me a lot. And if we hadn't got there yet, then, then, then work toward that. But make that your goal. Don't worry about going out and getting them. You just do it right here. And in time, what will happen is, is you'll have it. The word will get out, and God will broaden your influence. So take care of the ones you got. They're the most precious that you have. Joanna obviously used her influence in the right way because throughout the Bible, after you read about Joanna, we're, we're mentioning here, she's found in the book of Luke. Only two little references there. But later, after the ascension of Jesus, all of a sudden you see popping up all over the place other people that were leaders in Herod's kingdom coming to Christ. In Acts 13.1, there's this guy named Manium, and he was an officer in Herod's kingdom. I wonder where he heard the gospel from. Probably from Joanna. And then there's, a, there's the, the great Herodian there in, in Romans 16.11. We read about him being one of the officers of Herod who turned to Christ. I wonder where the seed was first planted. Maybe it's because he saw the most high-ranking lady in the kingdom over there in Herod's, and she was following. And so her influence was still going on. And her influence, though quietly being a follower of Christ, it was making an impact so that Herod's kingdom was suddenly turning to be a following uh, of, of Christ based on what she's done and how she lived. That's the, that's the influence. Let me give you the last one here. Leadership is loyalty. Now, I hadn't spoke about this in a long time, but I'll, I'll give it to you today because it's so clear with her. Leadership is loyalty. Here's the deal. A common denominator among leaders is loyalty. Okay? And, and Jesus spoke about it often. He spoke about, you know, a man, greater love is no man than this. And he laid down his life for his friends. And you saw the loyalty they had for them. Loyalty is very rare. Now, I do realize that. I realize it's very, very, very rare. Uh, as most of you know, the reason I can speak on this one from my heart is because I don't have many values. You know, if you ask me to write down a lot of values, you know, some people fill up five pages. I don't. I mean, I wish I could, but I wouldn't be honest. It wouldn't be integrity if I were to start writing down a bunch of stuff because there's something I said, no, nah, that's not really a big deal to me. I, I really have two that are huge. My number one value is integrity. Do it right if the stars fall, just do it right. And my second one is loyalty. The worst problem I ever had in my life was when I was loyal to somebody that had no integrity and I finally reached a stage after three years of constantly trying to turn them. And, and somebody asked me, they said, why haven't you given up? And I said, I've got two values that are colliding. And, and it's those two major values. And I want to be as loyal as can be, but he's killing me, killing us, killing everybody. And finally, I had to break. And so that told me which one was most valuable. In fact, my wife asked me, she said, in that collision of those two values, which one's number one? I said, Debbie, I'd love to say this one is and that one is. But, but I don't know. I said, the only way he's going to know is my decision is going to tell me. 
I won't know if loyalty is more important than integrity, and I won't know if integrity is more important than loyalty until I make the decision. And, and it taught me. I didn't guide it. It taught me that integrity is more important. So I realized that was number one, but loyalty for me was big. Now, one of the best CEOs I know of told me one day these words. We were walking out of a restaurant. He put his arm around me. He said, Bill, let me help you with the biggest blind spot in your life. And I said, okay. And I thought, what's the blind spot? And he was an honest friend. And the Bible says the wounds of a friend hurt. He said, loyalty means the world to you. And then he said, it don't mean nothing to anybody else you'll ever meet in your life. And he said, the day you figure that out is the day you're going to be a free man. And I will say that he's probably right. And so that's what you learn. Well, when it comes to loyalty, here's things I've learned. There's three kinds of loyalty. Those of you listening by way of CD, learn this. It'll help you a lot. Three kinds of loyalty. Number one is disloyalty, okay? Disloyalty is somebody who pretends to be your friend to your face, but behind your back they're not. David was wounded by that one time. He said, I went to the house of God with him. We worshiped together. If it had been an enemy that did these things, I would have understood. He said, however, it was my friend, my trusted friend. And so disloyalty is when somebody just stabs you, you know, betrays you. Then there's a second stage. It's what we call our loyalty, A-H-L-O-Y-A-L-T-Y, our loyalty. Now, this is a person who doesn't, they don't say anything about you or betray you, um, but they listen to something said and don't speak up. And, and they think they're doing you a favor when they tell you about it. You know, they'll come to you and they'll say, I just want you to know so-and-so said such-and-such about you. And you'll say, my question is always, well, what did you say? Well, I didn't say nothing, but I thought you wanted to know. Well, what kind of friend is that? You know, an all-oil friend says, I didn't say anything. It's kind of like, I just want you to know I drove by your house and it's on fire. It's burning down. <laughs> well, okay, what would you do? Did you call 911? No, I just thought you need to know your house is on fire. And they think you ought to commend them for it. Thank you for being so all-oil. I appreciate that. You know, an all-oilist in my book is just as bad as a disloyal because an all-oilist allows it to go. And so, uh, that, that's, now, here's the, here's the part where, for me, it's as natural. In fact, it's so natural, I think, that I ought to have been born African-American, okay? It's loyalty. Uh, well, I consider it an honor to defend somebody. It, it is. Nothing makes my day more if you ask me today, Bill, I'll give you $1,000 or you get to defend somebody, I'll take defending somebody all day long and twice on Sunday. I'd rather do that. I would rather do that than anything else. That, that, is, that is the highlight of my life. I mean, it's a joy to me to be doing it. I love it. I, I, I love being able to say I stood up for my friend. And, and I don't even have to go call my friend or tell my friend. I, if they find out about it five years later, that's, that's fine. But I love it. That is the... It, that is more exciting to me than a vacation, okay? And, and, and maybe it's because I just see that's a character thing. It's a leadership deal. It's, that's why I say I ought to have been born African-American. Uh, white people will do this, okay? White people say, I hope they don't say nothing about so-and-so. Man, I hope they don't say, you know, I go, in fact, Cascade Hills, okay? I hope they don't say nothing about my church, man. I hope. <laughs> Black people are different. That's what I love. They say, oh, I wish they say something about mine. <laughs> I wish they, you know, and, and I'm telling you, you change when you hit that level. When you get in that zone and you say, let me tell you something, that's, that's, that's how it is. That's, that's who I am. Loyalty is displayed that way. And Joanna, of all people, she displayed tremendous loyalty to Christ. 
She stayed with him all the way through to his crucifixion. She was there. She went down to anoint his body after he died. That's when they found that he wasn't there. She went running out and told everybody he's been risen. Uh, after her husband, Cusa, died, she didn't get any inheritance. History tells us she didn't get left anything big in the will. So she went to work for other families and raised a son. And later on, her name would be changed to, to the word Junia. In Romans 16, 7, uh, it's the equivalent name of, of, uh, of Joanna uh, in, 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 uh, in the Hebrew name. So her name is changed then because she marries a second time. She married a second time this guy named uh, Andronicus. And she marries him. She serves God faithfully until she dies. But because of following God, here's the way that she dies. Pretty powerful. Historians tell us that on August 27th, in the year 68 AD, that Joanna got executed for being, by being burned alive with her son for following Jesus. So they put her in a stake, tied her down, poured gas around her, and, or not gas, but fluid around her, and then set her on fire for following God. And, and here's a guy, if I can say his name right, Humberto Di Campio, who is a historian, his description was her last moments as the flames were beginning to torture her body, that she was totally serene. She had a dying grace. And one of her tormentors said to her, Has Christ only taught you how to die? To which she replied, Not only how to die, but how to love you as well. That was her last recorded words. Now, when I saw that, I thought, Wow, here's somebody loyal right to the very end. So Joanna, wife of Cusa, I hope will become one of your heroes now. Um, she was loyal all the way to the end. Her, her example of, of risk-taking, of influence, of loyalty, and all the rest were great examples for us. And here's what I like. Calvin Coolidge, former president, said this. No person's ever been honored for what he, what he received. Honor is the reward for what you give. And so my hope is that we'll give enough in life that when the honor comes, it'll be based on what we did like that. Let me have a word of prayer with you for a moment. Father, I thank you for those in the room today, for staff and friends and guests. Thank you for those listening today by way of CD, leaders wherever they are. I pray you'll help us to model these traits. And, and Lord, I pray that you'll help us to continue to grow and to sacrifice and to lay hold of our own calling and never turn back regardless to not quit or give up. And uh, I pray, God, you'll give every one of us influence in the lives of the people around us that we can make a difference for them. I pray also that you'll enhance our leadership skills so that we'll be better leaders than, uh, than, we, than we expect to be or than others around us see us to be. Grow us in that area, Lord, so that we can make a difference for causes that matter. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson. Dr. Burris makes it clear that if you're going to be a leader and grow in leadership, there is a price to pay. Be willing to do whatever it takes, no matter the cost. We hope you have a great month.